Let's look in our Bibles tonight to John chapter 8 and verse 31. John chapter 8 and verse 31, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Amplified says you shall be unquestionably free. Now tonight what we want to talk about is freedom from frustration, okay? One thing that God desires for all of His kids to have is peace, amen? See, the Bible says that we can let the peace of God rule in our hearts. What that simply means is this, in our lives, we're going to have many opportunities to let go of our peace. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He has placed within your spirit the fruit of peace, One of the fruits of your recreated human spirit, that which is born again, is the fruit of peace. Amen. And so he says, let this peace rule in your heart. He said in John, he says, peace I leave you, peace I give unto you. It is not as the world giveth, giveth unto you. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, you know as well as I do, we live in a world where there are many voices, right? There is the voice of television. There is the voice of internet. There is the voice of in-laws. There is the voice of outlaws. There's a lot of voices out there in the world. And all of these voices have a message. We live in the information age. And you know as well as I do that not all the voices that we hear are of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so then, if we are people who give heed to those voices and have those things speaking to us all the time, never resting in the Lord, never taking time to have Selah time, which means fellowship time with the Lord, the result can be no peace. Now, the society in which we live in, for the most part, is a very frustrated society. You can look outside these doors and it doesn't take you very long to see people that have no peace. And you can see oftentimes the frustration in people's eyes, okay? So when one is frustrated, one becomes discouraged. Have you ever been frustrated before? So one of the things that follows frustration is discouragement, discontentment, to be dissatisfied or even to be disappointed. So there are many causes for frustration. I want you to open your Bibles tonight to 2 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. And let's all find that and then we'll pray and we'll look to the Lord to minister to our hearts tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and verse 2. Now, dear Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts. Flood us with light tonight. We give you thank you. We give you praise and thanksgiving for strengthening every one of us with mighty power by your spirit in the inner man. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. And I, and I give you this illustration from the Word of God because it's very clear to us that there is a man in the Bible that wanted something that was outside of God's will for his life or that was out of bounds for his life. Did you know that sometimes we can desire things that are contrary to the Word of God? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so the 
in result of this man's desire, which was totally way out there, was frustration and discontentment. In 2 Samuel 13, 1, it says, It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed. Now, notice that word vexed. Everyone say vexed. The word vexed there means to be frustrated, to be frustrated to the, to the point of just almost being tormented. So Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Well, of course we know that that's completely outside of the will of God. But my point is here tonight is this is one major cause of frustration is wanting something that you just cannot have. Or desiring something that would be inconsistent with the word, which of course this is, but desiring something that would be inconsistent with God's will and God's plan for your specific life and your particular life. How many of you know that your Heavenly Father knows what's best for you? And he has a tailor-made plan for each and every one of us. And so he, des- he desires us for to draw, draw near to him, come close to him. He will come close to us and he will reveal the will and the plan of God for our lives. So we see here that unfulfilled desires can cause frustration in our lives. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's jewelry. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's a ministry. Do you know that you can be so consumed with wanting something that you, un, you, you get to a place where you become unhappy and discontented? Now, I believe that it's the will of God for all of us to prosper, don't you? I believe the will of God would be for all of us to have our own home, our homes, jewelry, car, etc. We all have a ministry in Christ, correct? But you need to understand this, that there are seasons in our lives between where we are and where we're heading. Okay, now where you're heading is your goal. Where you're heading could be godly desires. But where you are, you've got to remain happy. Where you are, you've got to remain content. Because if you don't remain content in that season of your life, what happens? We get frustrated and then we don't enjoy today. And the will of God for you is to enjoy today. Wherever you live, whatever you're driving, whatever you're wearing, whatever jewelry you do have or don't have, whatever the case may be, God's will is for you to be contented and to be happy. Amen. Now, this bears this out in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. So let's go over there and take a look at Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 11th verse. The Apostle Paul, you know, is, is, is talking to the church at Philippi. And, you know, Paul had been through quite a few things. And one of the things that Paul said, he says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I've, I've been in want. I've been in need. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. And in verse 11, he says, not that I speak in, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therewith to be what? So in other words, whatever state we are in, whatever season of life we are in, we have learned then the secret of contentment. Now the word contentment there carries with it this thought, to be independent of external circumstances. Thank God we don't have to let circumstances rule us. 
Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he's given you the ability to look not at the things which are seen, because we know the things which are seen are subject to change, but to look at the things which are not seen, because they're not subject to change. Amen? So thank God God's given us a pair of eyes here in our spirit that we can look beyond the circumstances, keep our eye on Jesus, and stay happy and be filled with contentment. Amen. One person said it this way. He said this, You need to find contentment with your present in order to find fulfillment in your future. Repeat that again if you're writing this down. You need to find contentment with your present, not your Christmas present, in order to find fulfillment in your future. Okay? Here's another statement that I like. That contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. But contentment is the realization of how much you already have. Say it again. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but it is the realization of how much you already have. And I think it would pay us rich dividends to take stock of what we already have. What God has already done and rejoice over it. Amen? Glory to God. You know, after all, we've already got the big stuff right now. It doesn't get any bigger than being born again. It doesn't get any bigger than being on our way to heaven. It doesn't get any bigger than having eternal life. Thank God the life that Jesus came to give us is living on the inside of us. You know, I could just get happy and shout and run around the building right now because I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We are on our way to glory. And while we're on our way, we're contented and we're singing. We're shouting the victory. Amen. Amen. So contentment, again, is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of how much you already have. Now, I want to say to you tonight... Don't, don't postpone happiness until. Don't postpone happiness until. Well, I'm single. I will not be happy till I'm married. Well, I got news for you. You get married, that is not the cure-all for happiness. Marriage is a blessing. Marriage is of God. But if you're not a happy camper before you're married, you're likely not to be a happy camper when you're married. Well, I'll be happy when I get that promotion on the job. Why can't you be happy now? Amen? So let's rid ourselves of postponing happiness until something happens. Amen? Yeah, we're on our way somewhere, right? We're going from glory to glory. We're going from strength to strength. We're going from faith to faith. But you know what? I've decided I'm going to enjoy the trip. Now let's look over at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I'd like to uh, notice verse 7 in the Amplified Version. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we notice uh, verse 7. All right. It says here, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. So it is not the will of God for us to be timid in any area of our lives. We're not to be afraid. 
God didn't give us that. The things that you've been afraid of are not of God. Fear of man is not of God. Fear of heights is not of God. Fear of failure is not of God. Amen? Why? Because it doesn't come from God. I don't want anything that doesn't come from God. I want what God gives. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving, and cringing, and fawning fear. But what has He given us? He's given us a spirit of what? Given us a spirit of power. How many of you got the powerhouse living on the inside of you? Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we've got power. Amen. And he's also given us the spirit of love. How many of you got the love of God on the inside of you? Well, love, just like peace, is part of your recreated human spirit package. The fruit of the spirit is love. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And you know, just a little side journey, it would pay us rich dividends in life to let the love of God, amen, rule our lives. Amen. amen. Not to be so strifey and so bitter and such a bummer to be around. Amen. amen. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and of a calm and well-balanced mind. Well, Pastor Mark, my, my life just kind of feels out of balance. Well, switch over now. Amen into the Word and declare this, even though you feel unbalanced. Switch over to the Word and say, Thank God I have a calm and well-balanced mind and I'm disciplined and I'm filled with self-control. What kind of a mind do you have? I have a calm and well-balanced mind. What kind of a mind? I have a calm and well-balanced mind. I'm telling you, the Word will balance your mind out when you get in it. And when it gets in you. Amen? Amen? No, it's a process. It takes time to get your mind renewed. But it pays great, great. I know I'm using that term a lot. But it'll do you good. Amen. To declare what God's word says about your mind. Okay? I've got a calm mind. I've got a well-balanced mind. Now, let's go back up to that top of that verse. I want to talk to you about that for a while tonight. For God did not give us a spirit... Of timidity, of timidity. We get the word intimidation from the word timid, okay? How many of you know that the devil is a liar and the devil is an intimidator? I despise intimidation. The enemy will come along and tell you, you know what? You should be further along than you are. You shouldn't have done that. Two years ago, that decision is hurting you today. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, ain't in the word. I said woulda, shoulda, coulda is not in the word. But you know what is in the word? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, all of us, no doubt, could be further along than we are. Perhaps, you know, you're perfect, but I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. Have you? We've all made mistakes. But the good news is this. God can fix stuff. God's bigger than your mistakes. God can turn your mistakes around. 
Now, I'm not advocating going out and making mistakes on purpose so God can fix your mistakes. But on life's path, you're going to make some boo-boos. That's what the grace of God and the mercy of God is for. He's therefore, therefore to lift you up. Amen. So, have you ever wanted something in your life badly and you really, really wanted it, but God told you that's not for you? Anybody ever been there? This is not my will. That's not my plan for your life. Take heart. Don't get bummed out about that. Because your father must have something better for you. It may not look like better for you at the time because you had your heart set and your mind set on this other thing. But your father knows the end from the beginning. And he knows everything about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows your DNA. He knows everything about you. And he knows what's best for you. And so what it gets down to then, it gets down to a matter of trust. Lord, I had my heart set on this. I really wanted this badly. But you know what? I trust you. I trust that your will for me ultimately is better than what I really desire. I think that's good shouting ground right there. So what I'm saying tonight is this, is he can and will exceed your expectations. Now unto him that's able to do. Exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. It's according to the power of God that's working in you. All right? Now, I want you to look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Notice with me in 7 through 9. Say it with me. I'm free free. from frustration. Now, I preached this message on a Sunday morning a few years back, and I really preached it. We had a high-heeled time. But the setting tonight is more teaching. Amen? Amen? You'll find that sometimes we'll preach on Wednesday nights, but the setting more or less... On Wednesday nights is teaching. How many of you know it's important to be taught the word? Because what teaching does uh, is give us information. Revelation and information. Preaching also gives us information when you mix it with teaching. Amen? And we need to be inspired. But it's very important for us to be informed in the word of God. So look at 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 7 through 9. Now, how many of you know that Abraham and Lot parted waves? Okay. Um, We read that this week and we discovered that, that Abraham and Lot, they were so blessed and they were so rich that they had so much that there began to be strife among the herdsmen, began to be strife among the people that worked with them. And uh, so Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife among us. Lot, you just look outside and you take what you want and whatever you don't want, I'll take. Okay, I'll just take whatever, whatever you don't want. How many of you know that Lot should have deferred to the higher anointing? He should have deferred to Abraham, but he looked out and he saw and looked toward over toward the land toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot went ahead and just chose that. And in verse 7 it says, and delivered just Lot. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. How many of you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah? We do not need to rehearse what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah, but suffice it to say, Sodom and Gomorrah was burned. Sodom and Gomorrah went to dust. Lot's wife, when she looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. 
So what was going on over there in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says, was filth. It was wicked. And the word conversation there, by the way, means the manner of life. Okay? So we see here that Lot was vexed. Lot was not involved with what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he pitched his tent there. He got very close to it. And as a result of getting close to it, his soul got vexed. His soul then became tormented because of the very atmosphere that he was in. Now notice with me in the next verse, in verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them, who are them, those in Sodom and Gomorrah, in seeing and hearing, he saw some things that he shouldn't have seen. He heard some things that he never should have heard. Seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. Now, whose fault was it that his soul got vexed? Was it the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? No, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were doing what sinners do. But what caused Lot's soul to be vexed is he pitched his tent right among them. He got too close to it. And close companionship will corrupt good manners every time. The Bible says, seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now notice with me in verse 9. The Lord knows, thank God, how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. So here is my point. It is easy to be subject to the world and to be vexed by what's going on in the world when you pitch your tent too close to the world. Well, I don't live in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't, I don't live in, in, in that part of the world. But did you know there's things on the media? There's things on the internet? There's things that Christians ought not to be looking at. There are things that Christians ought not to be hearing. Somebody help this preacher tonight. We'll do a little holiness preaching here tonight. And it's good for the soul. Well, now, Pastor Mark, I can watch this. I can do this. I can do that. And it doesn't bother me. It's supposed to bother you. I said it's supposed to bother you. When you're born again, subtle, twisted perversion and wickedness ought to bother you to the core of your soul. Amen. Well, so the point is this, is Lot chose to pitch his tent there. And that's how a lot of Christians fail. A lot of Christians miss it. They pitch their, pitch their tent too close to the bar. They pitch their tent too close to the harlots. They pitch their tents too close to things that will bring them down. Now listen, we are not to be brought down by the world. We are to lift the world up. We are not to lower our standards to get along with the world. We're to go into the world and be a blessing and be gracious and be loving and show them that there's a better way. There's a higher way. There's a stronger way. There's love's way. Come on, somebody. But it's difficult. It's difficult. To be a real strong witness when you're swigging the same beer bottles they are. 
It's difficult to be a bright light when you're smoking the same brand of marijuana they're smoking. I told you I preached this Sunday morning. This is Amen Alley tonight. I should be getting some better Amen. <laughs> anyway, look at Matthew 13. <laughs> Matthew 13, verse 15. We're not subject to the world. The world is subject to us. We've been brought out of the world's system. We're living in the world, but thank God we are not of the world. Now, notice in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, it says, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with what? Understand with their heart, and should be converted, and should be changed, and he says, as a result of that, I will heal them. Now, it's very interesting to me to, to note this, that the reason why their hearts were wax gross and their eyes, ears were dull of hearing is because they really put themselves in a position to be dull. They put themselves in a position. They closed their eyes to what was going around them. Now, this word waxed gross... In the Greek, simply means to make thick, to make fat, or to be fattened. Metaphorically, it means to make stupid. Everyone says stupid. In other words, this heart has, these people's hearts have been waxed so gross that it's caused them to be stupid. To make stupid, metaphorically also, to render the soul dull or callous. Dull or callous. Okay? Anybody ever had a callous on your foot before? What does a callous start out as? A callous starts out as a blister. I can remember getting some pretty serious blisters on the bottom of my feet. And blisters, when they're brand new, those things smart. Those things really hurt. Some, some of you men who work, you may have some calluses on your hands. But at first they were blisters and they hurt. But over the process of time, there came a thickening. And there came a wall, if you will, between your skin and between the quick. Amen? And as a result, I mean, it didn't hurt anymore. It just didn't bother you anymore. Calluses on the bottom of your foot. And you know, a lot of Christians have spiritual calluses. They have spiritual calluses. What they used to do used to really hurt them in their heart. And so, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. But through constant practice of the same thing, if left unchecked, and not repented of, that can form a spiritual callous. Now, Timothy addressed this. And so I want us to look at 2 Timothy. And uh, notice with me in... Uh, you still with me tonight? I think it's 2 Timothy 4. I've got to look at it. So let me look and stay tuned. Dun, 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 dun. 
What song is that? I can't. That's Jeopardy. Okay, it is 1 Timothy chapter uh, 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take a break. I'll, I'll stay home from church. and Yeah, it won't hurt me to miss a, a Sunday. I guess not. Well, let's stay home next week. Mm. Mm-hmm. Bedside assembly sure is feeling good. <laughs> next Sunday, well, you know what? It, I, I didn't feel too... Valley about missing last Sunday. I think I'll just miss it again. You know that weeks can turn into months, and months can turn into years. That's right. It happens. Okay. Now we're not condemning anybody. It's just a fact. It happens. They say it takes forty days for something to become a mindset, and three weeks, I think it is, to, for something to, to form a habit. So it's really important. That we form the right habits. So in informing the right habits, then we'll develop the right mindset. Okay? Well, you know, I read the word yesterday, but I think I'll just not read it today. And a day turns into a week. A week turns into two weeks. Two weeks turns into a month. A month turns into three months. And what happens? People become weak. Weak in their spirit. Okay, so um, what we want to do is develop the right habits. You know, coming to church is a good habit. Yeah. You, you did well tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. How many of you know that praying is a good habit? Yeah. Yeah. And not just praying by yourself, but coming together and praying together. Yeah. Now, Timothy addresses this in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 1, he says, now the Spirit. So who's speaking? The Spirit. Now the Spirit speaketh. Expressly, In other words, this is something that we're supposed to get because the Holy Spirit is talking. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. But notice here, having their conscience seared with what? With a hot iron. Now, what that means is to be marked by branding. Okay? So... It's important that we stay on top of our spiritual walk with God so that we don't become calloused spiritually and our conscience becomes branded. Okay? What Timothy is addressing here is that their souls are branded with the marks of sin and they carry about with them the perpetual consciousness of sin. They're seared in life. Now, I've discovered this. Now, I don't want to get too heavy with you tonight. But I've discovered this. That the holiest are the happiest. I'm going to say that again to this section right over here. I'm going to say this to Holy Avenue right there. The holiest are the happiest. And the most sanctified... Are the most satisfied. Hallelujah. Say, may the holiest are the happiest. The most sanctified are the most satisfied. Now let's close tonight over in Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. 
want to see what happened to Samson. What happened? What about Sam? <laughs> Judges 16. You know, it doesn't bode well to fight the Philistines in the day and sleep with the women at night. That doesn't, that doesn't get it. And everybody said amen. amen. All right. And Judges 16. <laughs> so we, we notice here uh, that uh, Samson got hooked up with a young lady or a Philistine lady by the name of Delilah. Okay. And Delilah had some motives. Delilah wanted to find out what Samson's secret was. Because Samson was a dangerous man. Because he was a covenant man. And because Samson was in covenant with God, and God supernaturally strengthened him, he had strength way beyond any Philistine had. And he would just do those dudes in just like that. But he had a weakness. The weakness of the flesh was he liked Philistine women. He couldn't control his body. Okay? Now, in Judges 16, verse 15, it says here, uh, And she said unto him, probably lying in bed, How can thou say, I love thee, when thy heart is not with me? You hear the whining. You've mocked me three times. And you've not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. You know, he told her a few stories and none of them were true. Okay? And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul became frustrated. His soul became vexed even unto death. He became grieved. What happened? Samson gave in to frustration just to get this Philistine woman off his back. Okay, woman. I'm going to tell you. Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, There is not came a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, he, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, Come up at once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up unto her, brought money in her hand, and what did they do? They gave him a haircut. <laughs> okay, he got a haircut. So it was his undoing. It was his undoing. Frustration can cause us to make bad decisions. She did this just to get it off of off his back. And what Samson should have been never was. What Samson should have accomplished never was fully accomplished. Why? Because he got frustrated. He opened the door 
he allowed himself to get vexed. Now, I found a scripture I think that's appropriate for all of us. Look with me in Numbers chapter 33, verse 55. He's talking to the children of Israel. But there's a truth in here for you and me. There's a truth that will will literally uh, tell us clearly what our responsibility is. When we are approached with things that are contrary to God's word for our lives. Whatever they may be. Certainly not a Philistine woman. But whatever the case might be. He says in Numbers 33, 55, he said, But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes. And there'll be thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land where you shall live. In other words, these dudes, these ites, these Philistines, these Hittites, these Jebusites, they are going to vex you unless you rise up and you drive them out. They're going to harass you every day of your life unless you stand up, unless you do something about it, unless you put your foot down, unless you kick them out of your car, kick them out of your house, kick them out of your marriage, kick them out of your computer, cut the computer cord or whatever you got to do, just do it. The Bible says there'll be thorns in your side. They will be irritants, irritants to you. God says drive them out. A neat definition for drive them out means to impoverish them. I believe that we ought to be impoverishing Satan's kingdom. Come on, somebody. To impoverish, to dispossess, to destroy, to bring to ruin, to disinherit, to drive out, expel, cast out, drive away, divorce, put away, thrust away, trouble them, and cast them out. That's what we got to do. Anything in your life shows up that's not the will of God. You've been authorized in the name above every name to take your authority and to take your dominion and put them on the run. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. You do know that all things are under your feet, don't you? Jesus was raised from the dead. And the blessing of him being raised from the dead is you were raised from the dead. And the greatest blessing of being raised from the dead, he's given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and to drive out things that frustrate your life. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Ready? Read it with me. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I got a question for you tonight. Where is the devil? He's under your feet. God has designed for you and I, as spirit-filled Christians, to walk on top of those things that frustrate us. To give them leave, to cast them out, to send them on their way. Let's stand up and let's do some dispossessing tonight. Amen? Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for the ability to walk in freedom from anything that would frustrate us. We declare this year in 2014, we will not be vexed, we will not be frustrated, but we will walk in the peace of God, walking in your perfect plan, walking 
in the spirit and walking in everything that you have provided for us. Oh, hallelujah. Just pray with me just for a few moments. Mingre bestavaya. Meshule predinda la bosora. Vo bregindi DJ. Bandele gizitola bale. Fendele bocosi minite. Mangle disto pololo. Neshte malea. No looking back any longer. The past is history. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for moving in every person's life. I pray a special blessing upon their lives, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for you to do in them the exceeding, the abundant, above all they can ask or think. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. This just comes in my spirit. I've given unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. You don't have to have someone lay hands on you. You don't have to even have a special prayer. You've been authorized to drive out the Hittites. To drive out the Jebusites. Amen. I don't know what kind of Jebusites and Hittites that you may need to drive out. But you do. But you and you've been given the name above every name. Yes. Thank God. Let's lift our hands and thank Him for the name. The name above every name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hengle pastole. Hallelujah. Wherefore God has highly exalted Him. Given Him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Those things that have caused frustration, we bind you. We break your power now in the name of Jesus. We refuse to be intimidated or to be timid in any area of our lives. We thank you, Father, for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mazokele beste. Pangala posedidene. Angala bastea. Hallelujah. So we're growing up, aren't we? You know what makes or causes people to stay ahead of babyhood state of Christianity? Is always wanting someone else to do their praying for them. Always wanting someone else to to do for them what God has given them the ability to do. Amen? Thank God we're well able. In Christ Jesus, we're well able. We're well able. Amen? He's made us able. Thank you, Lord. So don't put up with that any longer. Don't stop putting up with those thoughts of failure. Stop putting up with those thoughts of death. Drive it out. Drive it out. Rise up and drive it out. Glory to God. Not intimidated. Not intimidated in the least bit. No timidity here. Saying no timidity here is the same as saying no fear here. I'm not afraid. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. But it's not going to come nigh me. Glory to God. I just can hardly stand all the excitement in the room. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Well, let's shout the victory anyhow. Glory. (laughs) All right. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God.